Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in a series we're doing called Staying Present in the Presence. This series is about what it sounds like. We're, we're looking at how throughout the day we can stay connected to God. We talked about making that connection through most of the year in developing a disciple's heart, and now we're, we're trying to figure out how we can hang on to that connection um, in the midst of our lives and how God can work in us and, and through us in the process. We're looking at Jesus as our model, once again, for life and ministry, because that's what he is. He showed us how to live this thing. Uh, we're looking at the Gospel of Luke in particular, Luke uh, is, is really good at pointing out the humanity of Jesus. We know that Jesus is fully God and fully man, um, but we see him in operation through Luke's eyes, and we get, to, we get a, a touch of the, the humanity part of him. We often see him withdrawing to pray uh, and uh, getting connected to God and, and yielding to the Spirit and what he's going to do. So uh, we were working through encounters throughout the book of Luke. We got to Luke chapter 6. In Luke 6, Luke has a, um, uh, an account of the Beatitudes, but it's not as big as the one in Matthew. Uh, it seemed to me like uh, the Beatitudes speak very well into what it means to stay present in the presence. So we're doing a, just a tiny sub-series, borrowing um, the more detailed account of uh, the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, and we're breaking them down and running through them as attitudes that we need to have in order to stay present in the presence. Then, and... Uh, you know, ultimately it's about getting our focus away from the circumstances of our life, which we really can't do all that much about, and getting more in tune uh, with the attitudes that God would develop in us so that we can walk after him in a way that pleases him and in the way that gives us full and abundant life. We looked at uh, Matthew 5.3, we called that the attitude of humility. We looked at Matthew 5.4, we called that the attitude of reality. Matthew 5.5 5 was the attitude of uh, gentleness. Um, Matthew 5, 6 was the attitude of living by doing the next right thing. Matthew 5, 7 was last week. I called it the attitude of love in action. Today, we're going to look at Matthew 5, 8, and we'll call this the attitude of integrity. The attitude of integrity. Um, and actually, um, before we move in there, uh, just so you kind of know where we're at, this weekend is the beginning of Advent on the Christian calendar. It's sort of where the Christian year begins. Every year, it starts with this weekend, the weekend of Advent. If you were following through uh, the Christian year, this is where it picks up. It's four weeks of Advent, then we get into Christmas, and then we'll, we get to the Epiphany, and then we spring into Lent, and then Easter, up into Pentecost, and then into Ordinary Time, which is where we've been for the last 26 weeks. But uh, Advent is this neat, season. Um, and, and in it, we're to remember that, that Jesus, you know, the coming of Jesus Christ and that he entered the scene. And so, we you know, we put the lights up this week and the trees and all those things to help us um, to sort of begin this process. Now, um, it, it's more than just the cultural observance um, of Christmas. This is about Jesus entering the world and how cool that is. And it should also remind us that he's coming back again that there's a, he's coming back for us again. And that's what's supposed to happen as we, as we begin all this process of Advent and the things that go along with it. And, and you'll see over the next few weeks, we'll be looking and targeting different scripture readings that remind us about Jesus coming uh, and entering the scene and what that looked like. And how, when we get to the scripture reading today, it's not one of the, the birth readings, but it's how Jesus came and, uh, and continues to come in ways that we never expect. 
And, and you know, if you were God coming in, in to invade the scene, um, the way he chose is still mind-boggling to me. You know, virgin birth in a stable, very humble way, not, you know, crashing down in on a, on a horse and, and making a big thing. Very, very humble entrance into the world. So we need to be looking for Jesus like that all the time. He's often coming in ways we don't expect. And the kingdom comes in ways we don't expect. So it's a very cool thing. And so we, we think about this season and, and Jesus inaugurating the kingdom of God and um, that we're waiting for him to come back to complete it. And all of that's very cool. So, uh, so have that in mind. And that's what all this is all about in the process. Um, and then I got a little story for you. It's an Advent story. So trying to go on theme here with my little story. Um, the president of the Butterball Turkey Association um, earlier in the year happened to get an audience um, with the Pope. And I, I, I'm not picking on, uh, this could have been anybody had an audience with of major uh, you know, Christian institution, but it happened to be the Pope. And, and uh, he had an audience with the Pope, and you know, he's the president of Butterball, he couldn't help himself. He said to the Pope, he said, listen, um, what do you think if during the season of Advent, we could change the prayer from give us our daily bread to give us our daily turkey, just for the season of Advent, just for those four weeks. And uh, the Butterball Corporation, if you would do that, would donate $20 million to the Catholic Church for you to use however you want. And uh, the Pope sort of looked at him, shook his head, went, no, well, then we're not going to change a prayer for you. I mean, it's a guy, you know, he tried, and best he could do. Anyway, he gets a little closer to Advent, and uh, the, the guy, you know, contacts the Pope again. He says, look, um, really would like you to consider changing that prayer just for those four weeks in Advent. Uh, how about if, if uh, the Butterball Corporation makes a donation of $50 million? for you to use, you know, for the church and for the good works and all the good things you want to do. And again, the Pope said, no, we really can't do that. And the guy said, no, okay. So a few days before Advent, he thought, the guy said, he gives it one more try, gets a hold of the Pope. He said, listen, listen, Butterball Corporation will donate $100 million for you to use, you know, however you want to use in the church to bless people. Um, just change the prayer, four weeks, give us today our daily turkey. And, and the Pope sort of thinks about it and he goes, well, $100 million, we could do a lot of good for that. Fine, okay, we'll change it for a month. So the next day he calls the Cardinals in and he tells them um, that, uh, he says to the Cardinals, listen, I've got good news and bad news. And they're all listening. He says, he says the good news um, is that uh, we've been uh, given uh, $100 million by the uh, Butterball uh, Corporation for this season of Advent. And then uh, he said, uh, the bad news is we've lost the Wonder Bread account. I, I apologize. I don't. I don't I, again, not taking a shot. It could have been. I could have used the Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, the England. You know, I could have done anywhere. So no, nothing. Just thought it was funny. <laughs> Matthew twenty-one, verses one through thirteen. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey on a colt on the foal 
of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, uh, colt, uh, cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet, prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. And blessed be the word of the Lord. That reading is actually an Advent reading, and uh, again, it's to get us thinking about Jesus and how he enters the scenes in ways we just don't expect him to. And there he enters, there towards the the end of his public ministry, uh, he enters in a very humble way, riding on a donkey, and enters the scene. So be thinking about Jesus, and uh, how he came, and that he's coming back, and that we need to be looking for the kingdom all the time. Matthew 5, 8 says this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We're gonna call this one the beatitude, or the attitude of integrity. Integrity. Whenever I think about integrity, this is what I think about. It's about what I say that I believe matching um, how I live my life. Uh, And every area of my life that doesn't yet match up with what I say I believe, that's an area where I'm still lacking integrity. I'd love to be able to say I don't have any of those areas in my life, but that would be a lie, and that would lack integrity. Uh, So I can't say that yet. But there's, uh, that's what we're shooting at. That the things that we say we believe, and the way that we're living our life, become more and more in agreement all the time as we live this life out with him, and as we think about humility, and as we think about reality, and, and as we think about gentleness, and, and how these things begin to impact us, and what that looks like, about doing the next right thing as we live, about love in action. Now um, we need to become more and more a people of integrity, that what we say we believe, and how we live our life, really begin to um, come together well. And it's a process for all of us. And so I want to give you just three quick ideas about what that looks like and about some some ways sort of practically to help us um, become uh, more and more uh, people of greater integrity in our lives. And so we'll use a little acronym for today. Um, It's uh, just a TIP, a little tip that uh, I want to give you on trying to live with integrity as we walk this thing out. And the T, the first point uh, on your notes is this, that we need to trust him. We've talked about that as we've talked about the Beatitudes. It's a big part of staying present in the presence of God that we have to trust him um, with our lives. But um, we often tend to make our beliefs a very complicated thing. And then we, we try to define our beliefs by rules. That's what we normally do. This is what I believe, and so now I'm going to come up with a set of rules that are going to help me live that thing out in my life. Do this, and don't do that. Go here, don't go there. But, but how do we simplify what we believe? And, and, and because we really can't figure it all out, 
we have to come to Jesus and learn that we can trust him. Um, the disciples were, were trying to figure all this out and they walk with him and they come to Jesus and they're asking him this question and I, you know, there's a lot of self obviously in this question but they're trying to get some order in, into the things that, of their lives because they want to do that. They want to get their, their beliefs figured out so they can toss some rules around them because it's what they're used to. Matthew 18, one through four. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. See, what the disciples were looking for was some sort of hierarchy. Who's in charge of who? And our adult thinking um, wants to have everything ordered so we can figure out the rules. And Jesus always does what we don't expect him to do. Uh, and, and he says, you gotta become like little children. Rather than always trying to figure out every detail, what we have to learn to do is to trust in him. We have to depend on Jesus. We have to depend on what he did at the cross and we need to continue to depend on him to embrace life and to live the full and abundant life he's called us to. We have to trust. And it's an ongoing process. But it has far more integrity to, to continually learn to walk this thing out, trusting in him and, and yielding to the Holy Spirit than it does to try and order everything and then come up with a set of rules that you follow. And then, again, we've talked about this. Rule followers are not happy people. Um, it, there's no joy in, in rule followers because it's not there. You can't find it there. You, you find joy in walking this thing out with, with God in the, in the Holy Spirit and, and uh, in, his, in the presence of God, in, in, the, in the presence of the Spirit, there's joy. But, but we are so used to trying to figure out uh, and order everything so we can get some rules in place um, that we miss out on life because life's just not found there. When you, when you start following a bunch of rules, what happens is then everybody else who doesn't follow them, you judge really bad, and, and you become very judgmental and critical. Just look, I mean, that's what happens. And it happens over and over and over again, and you miss out on joy. Remember I told you the Pharisees, the rule followers, were, were miserable all the time, and the thing that they were maddest about was that the disciples of Jesus experienced joy. And that would, they would drive them nuts. They, they'd all, why are you guys happy? Why are they doing this? Why are they, why are they feasting? You know, we're fasting. Why are they celebrating? We're not celebrating. Why are they? And Jesus said, because I'm with them and they know it and they get it. That's where life is found. And that's where life is found for us. And yet it's a constant struggle. It's something that we'll face over and over and over and over again in our lives. We're always gonna try and wrap rules around things to order things that way. And, and every time we do, we miss out on life. You know, I say that, does it mean there's not, right, obviously there's things that we should do and things that we shouldn't do, but we need to be yielding to the Spirit in those things. The Spirit of God will just put it right on you. We talk about this all the time and doing the next right thing. He'll, he'll just help you make those decisions so that it's not all about trying to just be miserable in rule following. Now, having said all that about rules, tip number two is, part, part two is gonna sound a little funny, but uh, it's the I, is that we need to integrate the golden rule. <laughs> so, almost no rules but this one. 
actually this isn't really, that's what we call it. I knew you would know that. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a guideline um, more than a rule because it requires listening to the spirit. Um, so we have to integrate the, the golden rule into our lives. Um, relationships can get very complicated. Has everybody experienced that in their lives? I know we've got some newlyweds here. You guys don't have any complications yet in your lives. But uh, <laughs> all relationships are complicated because we're, we're, we're different people. And we have different ideas and, and different ways of going about it and different upbringings and, and uh, all these things work into relationship. And, and we're, we're trying to figure out, you know, all the time in relationship, what is it that I'm supposed to do? And what do I think that the person I'm in relationship with is supposed to do? And how I feel when they don't do what I think they're supposed to do and how they feel when I don't do what they think I'm supposed to do. Are you with me so far? It's pretty complicated, isn't it? It's it very confusing sometimes. And, and uh, we can just get really frustrated in the whole process. But Jesus gives us this really simple principle in Matthew seven twelve. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. That's, a, that's one of the most brilliant pieces of advice in the scripture. Obviously, it's coming from God to us, um, and it's, it's amazing in its uh, simplicity and yet its complexity. Um, he says in everything, which means everything. Do to others what you would have them do to you. That takes all of the guesswork out of it. It takes all of the, all of the game out of it. All of the trying to analyze every word that's said and how it's said and trying to interpret, you know, body language and, and everything else that's going on and all the craziness that we can bring into it. And, and it just is this. Just treat people the way you want to be treated. All the time. All the time. That's it's so freeing when we can get to that spot because the other stuff is so complicated. Just treat people the way you want to be treated. That's it. It's what you do. Not, not uh, waiting to see how they treat you to figure out how to treat them because um, it, it, that's not what this is all about. It's, it's not... Uh, and we've talked about that in depth. It's not uh, the thing of reciprocity, which is what we tend to live under. We wait and see how people will treat us before we figure out how we're supposed to treat them back. Just treat them the way you want to be treated. How they treat you is on them. You hope that you encounter people that will treat you well, but it's really not the deal. We're just going to treat people the way we want to be treated. Their response is between them and God. And, and we learn from that. And we, I'm not saying you put yourself in, in the situations where people can abuse you or anything like that. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I'm gonna, I, I want to try and treat people with respect because that's how I want to be treated. I want to try and treat people well. That's how I want to be. I want to be kind because I like it when people are kind to me. But whether they are or not isn't going to stop me from going out and trying to be kind. Sometimes, um, you know, sometimes people don't like it when you're kind. It's the weirdest thing. Um, friend experiences this more, does more outreach now than I do, but I used to, we'd go out and just be trying to be kind to people and people get weird about it. Oh no, no, don't do that. I actually said to somebody one time, and see I shouldn't have done it because it was sarcastic, but they, they, we were doing something nice and they said don't do that and I said are you telling me you, you don't want us to be kind to you? And they required from me and then they finally said yes. <laughs> I was like okay, and it was something simple, but um, the world is a funny place. However, what we're going to do is we're just going to treat people the way we want to be treated. They'll respond to us in lots of different ways. And that's okay. Um, but, but that's what it looks like. 
we do our part, treat them the way we want to be treated, their response is on them. Really, really makes it simple. Well, people go, well, that doesn't seem, you know, that seems like I could get, you know, taken advantage of or whatever. Uh, culturally, the question always becomes what's in it for me. Matthew 23, 11 and 12, this is how the message paraphrase. This is what Jesus says. Do you want to stand out? Step down. Be a servant. If you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. I like that. That's really good, isn't it? If you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked. How many of you have experienced that? Because God is good. But if you're content to simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty. Does that bring rest to anybody's soul? Can you hear me say that and allow the Lord just to let your soul rest? If you're content to simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty. You should just take and allow you to rest in who you are and then treat people out of that place. Third thing, the P in our tip is this. You need personal time with God every day every day and and if you're not in that habit I'm going to keep talking about this until you develop this habit in your life you have to find and develop this time for God every day and it's difficult because of all the innovations in our lives we are constantly plugged in and it's very easy to get plugged in from the moment that we wake up with cell phones and computers and television until the moment that we actually pass out at night. And sometimes we even go to bed with those things still happening around us. And to just be constantly bombarded that we never stop long enough and spend just a little bit of quality time with God. And it needs to happen every day. Make it happen in your life in order to find life. It changes everything, but you gotta make it happen. If you don't make it happen, it won't happen. It won't come to you. Life will pop up and get you busy and it won't happen. Whatever it takes. And it changes over life. I remember years ago, I used to talk all the time about not being a morning person. As I wasn't, I, I was terrible at waking up in the morning. And then I, I so it's, it's, it's like getting old, I guess. Something happens. Now all of a sudden, I'm usually up at four o'clock, 4.30 every morning, every morning and so I hang out with God for for long periods of time in the quiet I love it it's my favorite thing in life it's just kind of getting up and and actually if I sleep into 5 30 or 6 now I feel like I missed something because life starts to happen around me 6 30 or 7 and so um you know I love that time that change that changes my life having that time. That won't work for everybody. I get that. Find time. When I used to sleep in, I found other time. It would happen in the middle of the day, towards the end of the day, but whatever it looks like, just unplugged time with God. You are not too busy. If you're that busy, you need to figure out how to unbusy yourself. 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, at some point, you know, but, but at least five. And it'll grow when it, it it becomes important to you. But you've got to spend time with God. Jesus models this for us in his life. Mark 6, 31. Jesus said, come off by yourselves. Let's take a break and get a little rest. For there was constant coming and going. They didn't even have time to eat. Three quick things I want to point about. I just had this thought too. 
I think about some of you that have little children, and uh, and, it was, and years ago I read this book about this, this woman. I think she had eight kids, and Christian woman. And when she needed time with God, she used to sit in a chair, and she had a she used to wear these big skirts. She just pull one up over her head, boom. <laughs> and all the kids knew that when they saw that, they couldn't mess with mom. And she would go and pray. That's how she prayed. I love that. I still that visual is in my has been in my head forever. And they just knew at that point in time. Oh, don't mess with mom. She's she's spending a little alone time with God. So wherever you can do, whatever you can do to find it, guys. If you need to go out and buy a big skirt. <laughs> now, that's a whole different problem. Um, let's not do that. Three things. A, come with me. You need time with Jesus. Got to have it. I can't, I don't know how else to say it. Got to have it in your life or you won't really experience the life. And you won't stay connected to God and you'll go through the day being so busy that you miss out on the real life. By yourselves. You got to have some alone time. Again, it's just vital to your soul to get alone with God. To just hang out with him in, in this process. And you need a quiet place. You really do. Free from distractions. Um, one of the things that, you know, to my advantage, when it's really early in the morning, I go out in my back patio, it's, it's pitch black. It's dark. Nobody ever calls that early in the morning, but I don't take my phone with me anyway. Um, and and uh, I just move into my prayer time and my reading time. And it's quiet and alone, and it's life-giving. You've got to have that time in your life. You've got to have it. Again, Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you can do, you have to have it. And it will make a huge difference in your life. This is one of those things where I'll say to you, look, if you do it, I promise you it'll change your life. It will, absolutely will. And you know, it doesn't have to be complicated. Read a few verses. Hang out with God, talk to him a little bit. We certainly come up with a lot of stuff for you to use. The Disciples Heart Primer you can use. The, um, I'm working on some stuff now I'm going to be giving out to you in the beginning of the year. Um, uh, just, just a way that helps you connect. I love those verses that we did for the first part of the year. I, I start by talking through those verses. One of the things I do every day. It doesn't take very long. I know them now, so the whole process goes pretty quick. I can read them pretty quick. Just remind me of who he is and what he's doing. And here's the deal. There's promises with all these beatitudes. And in Matthew 5, 8, it says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. They will see God. I believe that promise is this, that we'll begin to share in God's perspective. As you really connect with him, and as you live more and more with integrity, and trying to do the next right thing, and, and reality, and humility, and all these things are happening in your life, we begin to see um, the way that God sees people. We begin to see situations the way that he does. And we begin to see him in the situations, and in the encounters. Remember when I started this, I said, you know, Advent, and we're looking at how Jesus comes, and it doesn't usually happen the way we want. But as you connect with him, you'll start to see him moving into situations where you might have missed him before. You're seeing him move. You see him at work. You see him popping in. You see the kingdom of God breaking forth. And that's what happens as we become a people of integrity. It gives us a perspective that's bigger than our own. We get the throne room perspective that we've talked about. So integrity helps us to stay present in the presence of God. Think about that. We'll pick it up there. Next week, 
We're going to, uh, oh, if you're watching on television by video, thank you so much for your time. We know how valuable your time is. We appreciate it. We'll pick this up again next week. We're going to move into our worship here in song, but uh, you can email us or uh, call us if there's prayer requests that you have for us.